And thank you for being here this morning. You could have checked out. You could have slept in. Some of you were up late watching a football game, but you're here anyway, and we appreciate that. Thank you so much for being here this morning. As I mentioned earlier, we are in the midst of a four-part message series called Relationship Repair, and as the name of this series indicates, this is what we're working on, repairing relationships, because in our culture, you may have noticed, we're pretty good at starting relationships. We're pretty good at maintaining relationships. But when a relationship is broken, we are lousy at relationship repair. Now, maybe you're the exception to that, but you're probably not. Because in our culture, we're just not taught how to repair broken relationships. It's not something we're taught, by and large. And it's not something that's been how to be reconciled with one another, how to be reconciled to one another. In part one of the series, we talked about forgiveness and if you spend enough time in a church, you're going to hear about the importance of forgiveness. And so we talked about forgiveness as being the first step on the road to reconciliation. And so I challenge you to identify the people in your life that you need to forgive. I challenge you to fill in the blank, I need to forgive. Fill in the blank. If you had to put a name in that blank, whose name would it be? Maybe it'd be a long list of names, maybe just one person. But who is it in your life that you need to forgive? Who is it in your life and you're holding on to bitterness, resentment, offense that you need to let go of. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so once we've identified the people that we need to forgive, we need to do three things. We need to take the concept of deserve out of the equation. Forget about what that person deserves, what you think that person deserves, that person who wronged you. Forget about what you think they deserve, and forget about what you think you deserve. Take deserve out of the equation, and then choose to cancel the debt. Because when we're wronged, when we're hurt, it feels like we're owed something. And when we're the ones who are owed, we have the power to cancel the debts. So the next thing we do is we cancel the debt. And then what we're going to do after that is we pray for those people who have wronged us. We don't pray against them, right? And we don't just pray for their repentance. You can start there. But we go beyond that. We actually pray for that person. God, bless this person. Protect this person. Provide for this person. Heal that person. And so we talked about the importance of forgiveness. It's that first step on the road to reconciliation. But it's not the last step. And that's a misconception or a mistake that a lot of Christians make. We think, okay, I've, I've forgiven somebody on a heart level, but here's the thing. Jesus challenges us to go beyond just heart level forgiveness and actually pursue real reconciliation. So last week we talked about the importance of taking the initiative with that person who had wronged you. And that, <laughs> that's like the last thing we feel like doing, isn't it? Because that other person wronged us and here we are, we're doing the hard work of forgiveness and then we have to reach out to them. Well, yeah, yeah. If we're going to follow the teaching of Jesus and the, and the example of Jesus, then we reach out to that person. We are the ones that take the initiative. Last week, I asked you to do something very weird, something I've never asked you to do before, which is wait. To wait. If you have somebody in your life and you need to take initiative with that person, someone you're working toward forgiving, I encourage you to wait until we finish this series, because hopefully, by the time we get to the end of this series, you'll have a better idea of how to take that initiative <clears throat> and what attitude to have as you take that initiative and what that looks like, how you can do this in a way that's fruitful and productive. <clears throat> I have mentioned this several times, that I uh, was a church kid growing up, and uh, I was a member of a church when I was a young adult, and it was a small church, and in this congregation, there were two women who were friends, and then they weren't friends anymore. Two women in this church who had a falling out, and that's life, that's what happened. Uh, these two women were in a disagreement, was a disagreement over ministry, a decision that needed to be made, and they just didn't want to do the same thing. And uh, one woman got her way, and the other one didn't, and they weren't friends anymore. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? 
Now, from my perspective as an outsider, like, I don't know all the details, but there are plenty of us in the congregation who were aware of this. We knew these two used to be close, and now they had some kind of a fight, and now they're not friends anymore. So none of us knew all the details, but from the outside, looking in, I'm thinking, well, this is, this is silly. You guys used to be close. I mean, why can't you just patch things up? I mean, aren't we Christians, right? Have you ever had that experience where you've been the person on the outside, and you see two people in conflict, and you're thinking, why, these, why can't these two work it out? It's not that big of a deal, right? And so often, that's how it seems to those of us who are on the outside looking in. We're like, it's not, it's not that big a deal. Whatever was said in those conversations, whatever kind of offense, just, just talk it out. Just work it out. Just go hug it out and be friends again, right? That's how it seems when you're on the outside. And so again, here I am, and I'm just you know, a young adult in this congregation, and it's kind of commonly known among the congregation that these two people out of falling out. One Sunday morning, we show up for worship, <clears throat> and the preacher is preaching about reconciliation and relationship repair. And I'm sitting in a pew, and I'm in the middle of a pew, by the way. Anybody in the middle? The middle is like the worst place to sit because you're stuck there, right? You're stuck there. You can't get out if you need to, right? So I'm in the middle of the pew, people on this side, people on that side. And one of the women who was in this conflict was sitting right behind me here, and the other one was on the other side of the sanctuary there. And so the preacher's talking about reconciliation, relationship repair. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one in the congregation thinking, hey, it's like these two ladies need to do. They need to make it up. And so he finishes the sermon, and we do the closing song, and he gives the closing prayer, and the service is over. And as soon as the service is over, that lady over there makes a beeline for this lady behind me. She comes on over, and at this point, I am stuck in the pew. Because the person over here is having a conversation in that aisle, the person over here is having a conversation. I am stuck in the pew, and this conversation is happening right behind me. And so the one woman comes over, and she starts talking. And I'm just, I'm unintentionally eavesdropping. Uh, believe me, unintentionally. I did not want to hear this conversation. I was just trying to disappear, like Homer Simpson into the shrubs. You know what I'm talking about? Just try to disappear. But I couldn't. And so this lady comes over, she says, you know what, I feel like today's sermon was for us. I feel like we need to talk. The other lady said, I don't think so. I'm fine with how things are. Oh, I don't want to be here. Just hiding. Wow. Got shut down cold. I mean, I've had my fair share of awkward church moments, but that's like in the top 10 to have to hear that. Wow, can you imagine being the person to take the initiative and getting that kind of a response? Well, it happens. And this brings us to a very difficult point in our message series. Now, here we are talking about reconciliation, spending the past two weeks talking about the importance of reconciliation, but here's a very hard truth and a very sad truth. You can't reconcile a broken relationship. Let's close in prayer, shall we? You know what? Let's, let's keep talking for a little bit. You, as one person, as one party, on your own, can't reconcile a broken relationship. If there are two parties and there's been a fracture, you can't have one party make the choice, okay, I'm going to be the one that fixes this. No. Both parties have to agree on the common goal of reconciliation. Yes? Isn't that how it works? You already knew this. You already knew this. You can't do it on your own. Both people 
whoever's been wronged and whoever is the one who feels like, you know, they, they did the wronging, whatever it is, both people have to pursue the goal of reconciliation in order for there to be the possibility of a reconciliation. As the old saying goes, it takes two to pursue reconciliation. You know that saying? I just made it up. It takes two to pursue reconciliation. You knew that already. It takes two. It takes two. And so with this knowledge and with this understanding, what do we do? Do we just shrug our shoulders and say, hey, well, I forgave the person in my heart. That's good enough. No. No. We are taught, commanded, encouraged to go forward and take the initiative anyway. Take the initiative anyway. Let's take a look at this passage that's in the bulletin. Here we are. Another passage from the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5. This is the time where Jesus is teaching, and I love the Sermon on the Mount. Again, if you've been with us at Hope you know, long enough, you've heard me preach from the Sermon on the Mount so many times because it's just so practical what Jesus teaches here. And so much of it has to do with how we interact with one another. Real-life stuff. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. And then come back. And then come and offer your gift. So much in that statement there. So much to unpack in that sentence there. You know, we think about, it's tough for us, those of us who are modern day you know, followers of Jesus, it's tough for us to put us you know, in that setting of the first century of people listening to these messages. You know, we think about bringing a gift to the altar. We don't really have an altar here in this sanctuary, but you do have this fun little black box where you can bring your offering and bring your little gift, right? And we think about how easy that is for us, yes? Drop it off on your way in, drop it off on your way out during the offering song, just boop, there it is. That's easy to do, right? You're here anyway, drop in your gift. See, Jesus was speaking to a different audience of people, you know, God had commanded the Israelites, commanded the Jews to observe these holidays, observe these different times where they were to bring sacrifices to the Lord or sometimes bring a gift before the Lord, and it was, a, it was a big deal. In many cases, they had to travel from miles and miles away. You had to put it on the counter. You had to take off of work so you could go present your gift to the Lord. And so Jesus is saying, if you're somebody, if you're in this situation and you've spent all this time and you've taken off work and you've, you know, loaded up your donkey, and you're making your way to Jerusalem, and if you're there to present your gift, and you're standing in line, because by the way, there'd be a line sometimes. If you're standing in line waiting for that opportunity to give your gift, and while you're standing in line, you remember, wait a minute, a brother or a sister, one of your fellow human beings, has something against you. If you remember that in that moment, stop what you're doing, put your gift down, hey, can you watch this for me? Can you hold my place in line? And then go. Go and have a conversation. Go and we talked about last week. Take the initiative. See what you can do to make things right. Go and be reconciled. And then Jesus says, verse 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. And so he paints this picture for us of, you don't know how things are going to work out. Maybe you're the one who's been wronged. Maybe you're the one who did the wronging. You don't know how this is going to work out. If somebody has something against you and they take you to court, even if you're completely innocent, you don't know how the judge is going to rule. You don't know if he's going to rule in your favor. You don't know if there's going to be justice. But the big point here is simply there is a limited amount of time to make things right. 
There is going to be a point where it's too late to do what you can do to reconcile a broken relationship. Time. We all know. We all know we have a limited number of days on this earth, don't we? I'm sorry. Am I the first person to tell you that? You're going to die one day? Like, we all know this. But we don't live as if we understand this. So often we live as if we have, well, I've got lots of time. Oh, I'm going to have to have that conversation. But I have lots of time to have that conversation. No, we don't, we don't, we don't know. There's going to be a point in time where, where it's too late to have that conversation, where it's too late to reconcile. I mentioned that, um, that in this, this series is all based on uh, Andy Stanley's message series called Reassembly Required. You can listen to that original content if so desired. But uh, in that message series, um, Andy points out the fact, and I call him Andy, by the way. Andy points out the fact that uh, since you can't pursue reconciliation on your own, we need to change our goal. And what Andy says, I think, is just so practical, makes so much sense. We need to change our goal. So if we're in a situation where we've been wronged, and we're doing this thing, and we're trying to forgive, and we're trying to figure out how to take the initiative, here's what we need to do. We need to adjust our goal. Instead of making the goal, I'm going to reconcile this because we know we're limited. Instead, we need to make the goal, no regrets. No regrets. I'm going to make sure that I have done what's within my power to do while I still can. That becomes the goal. No regrets. Taking the initiative, yes, like we talked about last week, but knowing our limits. You don't know what you're going to get from that other person. You re- and you, by the way, you really don't know. You might think, okay, I'm going to approach this person, they're going to shut me down cold. You may be right about that. You just don't know. What our job becomes as individuals is figuring out, okay, as far as it depends on me, what do I need to say? What do I need to communicate? What do I need to do while I can still do it? I am limited, but within my power, within my control, what can I do? Because one day I'm going to be dead. One day I'm going to die. One day the person I'm in conflict with, they're going to die too. And so before that day comes, what is it? that I need to say? What is it that I need to do? The goal becomes no regrets. No regrets. Now, when you do this, when you pursue reconciliation as one party, as you take the initiative as one party, as you do this thing and say, okay, no regrets, you might find yourself restoring that broken relationship. That other party might be willing to to pursue that goal of reconciliation with you, or they might not be. But at least you can say, I've done my part. As far as it depends on me, I've done my part. What does that look like for you? Are you thinking about these people that you need to forgive, right? And maybe you spent the last couple weeks thinking, well, I'm not really going to think about that person because I shouldn't be offended by what they did. But you know what? Just be real with yourself. If you're hurt over what somebody else did, just acknowledge it. Don't pretend you're not hurt. Acknowledge you're hurt by this person. Acknowledge you need to forgive this person. Think about how you need to reach out to this person. And make your goal, when you take that initiative, make your goal, no regrets. I just need to try. I just need to say what I'm going to say. I just need to get this out in the open while I still have breath in my lungs before I die, before you die. This is what needs to be said. That's the goal. No regrets. What does that look like for you? Now, I've become, over the years, I've become a big fan of of letter writing. I just need to get this down. No regrets. 
to somebody in your life. Now, you're thinking about that person now. Somebody in your life is like, man, if I die before I say this, if that person dies before I say this, man, I'm going to regret it. No regrets. That's the goal. Um, part of the, the, the territory when you become a pastor, um, part of the job is to do funerals, right? Uh, not my favorite thing to do, but uh, some funerals are worse than others. And since I've been a pastor, I have had to do uh, two funerals in particular that were awful because there were people in that room that had regrets. I wish I would have said. I wish I would have said. I wish I would have reached out. I wish I could have made things right. You know, it's my job as the pastor in that moment to console those people. Oh, I wish I would have done this. But like, what can I do? It's too late. You know, I don't say that, but what else can I say? Like, okay, well, pray about it. I don't know. It's too late. There is a point where it will be too late. So here's what you need to do. Reorient your mind. Don't make the goal, okay, I'm going to reconcile this on my own. No, know where you are limited. And then make sure you have no regrets. Do that little internal test. If that person dies today, am I going to be okay or am I going to wish that? Oh, you don't want to have those. I wish that, I wish that. You don't want to have those in your heart. So, here's what we need to do. We are going to do, this might sound like a weird thing. You can write this down if it helps. We are going to do what we can do while we can still do it. We're going to do what we can do while we can still do it. We will do what's within our power to do to initiate reconciliation before it's too late. We will acknowledge that there are limits. We have to acknowledge that we are limited and that we can't force reconciliation to happen. We will acknowledge that it takes both parties, it takes two to pursue reconciliation. We'll know this. It takes two if we're going to have reconciliation actually achieved. But we're not going to allow that to become our excuse because that's the thing that some of us do. You say, well, I don't know. I can't fix this on my own. I don't know how the other person is going to respond. Guess what? That's not on you. So we're not going to worry about the other person's response. We're going to know that we're limited, but we're going to do what we can do while we can still do it. We're not going to make excuses. We will do our part to make sure that we are free of regrets so that we can allow for the possibility of reconciliation to take place. We're going to do all this tough work because those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you know our limits, you know our boundaries, you know what we can do or what we can't do. And there are things that happen in this life that just feel so big and, and so beyond our control, and, and that's the case, that's a reality. But there are things that we can do, and we think about relationship reconciliation, we think about the ways we've been hurt, the ways that we have been wronged, there are things that we can do. We can do the work of forgiveness. We can take the initiative. We can pursue that goal of no regrets. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be with each one of us now. Reveal to us what it is we need to do. Show to us what we're capable of doing. And let us pursue that goal 
of no regrets. And the rest, God, is in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.